gets inside, leans in, knocked away and stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top. This the dagger. This kind of sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. Here's the thing, I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Corte Heat, CorteHeat.com as today. I'm your host, Joshua Yunengst, and we are back with another podcast episode. As we are now nine days away from Thanksgiving, and a month from the countdown of Christmas. And also a month down from the Christmas basketball games featuring the Warriors and the Suns. It's been a crazy weekend watching not only football, but a lot of it being basketball. And just seeing, particularly my Phoenix Suns, because... On Sunday, they beat the Rockets. And you saw them beat the Grizzlies. They were on a 9-0 winning streak. On a 9-game winning streak. We've seen so many injuries happen. There's so many new trade rumors. We covered that on the website. As we have some great announcements to talk about. But to get what uh, caught up, right now... DeAndre Hunter is going to be out for eight weeks due to a surgical procedure that needs to be done on his on his um on his wrist. He's going to be out for eight weeks. That's non-negotiable. It has to be that way. Then Manny Bates injuries are plaguing him once again, so that's not going to be good. We have that live on the site. And then Drew Time posting new career highs for the Georgia Bulldogs. Go check that on the site. And also, as we report on CourtsAheat.com, Damian Lillard was a no-go for yesterday's game against the Nuggets. Sadly, the Nuggets lost. Um, oh, let me actually check it out. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry, yeah, the Nuggets won. So, sadly, the poor and Trailblazers lost, but the Nuggets won. Either way, I'm happy as Damian Lillard's just day-day with abdominal strain. But you know what, guys, as the countdown keeps on going for the holidays, I was actually thinking about this. When we get to, we'll see, uh, the podcast will come back up on December 1st. So, hold on, because they're taking, uh, taking the 24th for the weekend off, excuse me, off, right, because it's Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving break. So starting next Monday, we will be having our theme song of Christmas music. Because now we're going to incorporate Christmas. The time is here. It's, it's a great time to be alive as Christmas is coming. Uh, shopping is being done. Families getting together. Thanksgiving is coming. Don't want to skip past that. That's only nine days away. As we have so many good promotional deals going on, remember use code Christmas Cheer to get forty percent off when you spend thirty plus dollars on our CourtsAheat.com store. 
check out Makari. We have so many new things happening there. Um, it's crazy if you think about it. It's crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know how we transition to this, but it's crazy when you think about it. How fast years gone, where we came from the NBA Finals to now going into our 14th, going into our fifth week in the NBA. If you think about that, that is truly amazing. We were waiting for the offseason to be over, which was a few months. Now, we have ourselves a week five matchups everywhere. If you think about it, that's pretty cool. So real quick, guys, before we jump into today's podcast episode on this bright, cold, early Tuesday morning here in Arizona, you can find us on social media at Courtside Heat and Twitter.com slash Courtside Heat, Instagram.com slash Courtside Heat NBA, Facebook.com slash Courtside Heat, Tomboy.com slash Courtside Heat, and Snapchat.com slash Courtside Heat. We have it all there. Or if you guys want to make it easier for yourself, like I, just search up Courtside Heat on Google. We have our Google My Business page up. So now you're able to get all the podcast uh, links, all the social media links, our website, our everything. Or just go to uh, CourtsideHeat.com and just click on the connect, uh, connect with us. Boom, bada, bang. You'll have our top, top social media that we use every single day. Quick announcement. If you guys did not get a chance to see it on on our YouTube account or Rumble account. We have came out with a documentary. I announced it on the podcast not too long ago. It was actually this past Wednesday. What's this past Wednesday? I apologize. This past Thursday, where I put a title, "You Got What You Wanted," as I am now. Of course, the Heat's unveiling their first ever documentary, and is Isaiah Thomas, the 60th pick, where we're going to be uncovering the untold truths of this man's career that makes him what we never deserve. We will be going in depth. Taking you for all these different perspectives, for all these different avenues, that plainly tells you that the biggest secret was never a secret that could actually save your team. We have the uh, we have the teaser trailer out right now. The extended trailer is going to come out in the next six days, Monday, right? So this upcoming Monday, we have the extended trailer, but right now on YouTube and Rumble. Exclusively, you can find the documentary trailer. We are excited to announce that. We're going to be getting that on the site today. Hopefully today, tomorrow, telling you what this documentary is going to be about. We're excited. We're going to take you for one of the greatest comeback stories that's going to ever happen. How he's bowed through a lot. For all the memorable moments of his career. One of the greatest moments of my of his career that I witnessed was his huge game when his sister tragically passed away. That was tough. That was tough to see it cry because it pained him. 
paying him to see a family member die. I think she was only in her early 20s. Don't quote me on this, but maybe 24 years old. Don't want to get that wrong, but that's why I believe it to be. I'll have to check on that again, but he's a, he's a real cool guy. I, I He's one of my favorite players, one of my most emotional players to watch because he's just one of the most relatable guys, people. He's one of the most enjoyable guys to watch on the court. How he does things in interviews. It's just incredible. So yeah, I am really happy to announce Courtside Heat's coming out with their first ever documentary featuring Isaiah Thomas. I'm excited, guys. I hope you're excited, too. As now, let's kick off today's podcast episode with the game of the day. The recap edition. We have Suns against Timberwolves. I watched that game yesterday. It ended in 99 to 96, I believe, where the Suns were able to extend their lead to be 10 and 3 in the records. Yes, but since becoming 1 and 3, they have a 9 game winning streak. That was to advance them to 10 and 3. That drops the Timberwolves to 4 and 9. And they close out their whole their away game schedule. They're going to be home for the next three games from the November seventeenth to November twenty first. Then they're going to have a very very long road game ahead of them. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But now they're ten and three, a game behind first, which is going to be for the Warriors who get to play tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. But yes. This game is the recap edition. It's made the list because Chris Paul ended with 21 points, 8 assists, and 3 rebounds. But he had 19 points in the 4th quarter that generated the closeout of this game to seal the deal for the win. Devin Booker had 29, 5, and 5 in 33 minutes. And DeAndre Ayn, which is special to see in his first game back, who missed about five or six games, most likely five games, due to a right leg contusion, got a double-double in 33 minutes, 22 and 12, and if you want to attack on the one assist, you can. This team played amazingly. We saw what this line could be because one of the, one of the notes that I have from the game Late in the fourth quarter, when they were trading shots back and forth, and the Suns were starting to get a grip back onto this game, starting to get a tight grasp, you saw the different options they had. So you had so so the Minnesota Timberwolves defense. They were focused on their backcourt, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Chris Paul's on fire, so they tried locking him down. That's what you saw, Patrick Beverly. But then it was given up to. Devin Booker to hit some fadeaways, did some really good shots to keep him alive in this game. Now to now the team had to focus on both those guys, but then they left DeAndre Ain open. So then DeAndre Ain made some great post moves, got in, scored with the layup. Now you have to focus on all three of those guys. So that's what those young players, that's what Martin Williams trying to give fruit to them. That's what the Phoenix Suns are. They're able to create their own opportunities by having every single basketball player or their top three guys like DeAndre Ayn, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul be able to hit shots in the clutch and make their def- their defensive opponents 
really work because you just never know where it's going to go. So you can't play too loosely on a guy. You can't play too hard on a guy, too pressing against one man, right? So the Phoenix Suns mastered it for that game as the end of that game was tough. Even though they were down by two points. They were down by two points. You had a wide open free. Wide open free. And D'Lo missed it. D'Angelo Russell missed it. But then they kicked it out for the rebound. Everyone's going crazy. They're trying to scramble to get the ball. Oh, Timberwolves get it. But Anthony Edwards' first instincts are to pedal backwards to take an angling free instead of taking a spot up two as it was very rushed and he couldn't even get the shot off. He coughed the ball right up while backpedaling. Right to Jay Crowder. Boom, bada, bang. They foul him. He hits one of his two free throws. And that's how we end with the final score, 99-96. to in Minnesota to close out the game. Crawford Towns had a 35-point double-double in 40 minutes. Dilo had 22 points. Um, Anthony Edwards was okay in today's game. 12 points and nine, 12 rebounds and nine points. Um, not the greatest thing in the world, but it would do right. Um, he was two of 11. He was off for sure, but he's still averaging 24 points a game. We'll see where they grow, right? Both teams are going to be growing. The Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be taking on the Kings November 17th, 6 p.m. Don't miss it. You're also going to see on November 17th, the same day, if I'm not mistaken, yes, where the Suns take on the Mavericks at home. So that's going to be exciting. But instead of me keep talking about this, listen to the top plays of the game right here, right now. Sometimes those stats need to be adjusted. Booker, unbelievable shot. That's a winning play right there. Yes, it is. Edwards looking for a winning play, and yes, he delivers. They, they, they nearly turn it over. Russell out of the corner, Beverly an offensive rebound, puts it back up and in, and then he get fouled, he did! Unbelievable. Chance for a three-point play! Back to Russell, open look for the lead, can't get it to go, Edwards gets it! And then gives it up. Misses, Beasley from way, way, way downtown, and that is going to be all she wrote. Always love good highlights. I know I open that up every. I I know I keep opening up after every single highlight with that sentence, but I just do love highlights. And those by that Phoenix Suns core is truly amazing. I also throw in where they where the Timberwolves messed up in the final few seconds because I think it's gonna be critical for you guys to see. As that was the game of the day, the recap edition. Now let's head into our top news of the week. It's it's there's a lot that's happened that I just broke down in the first few opening minutes of the podcast, but in this segment, no, not that much. It's only three 
uh, tidbits. It's only free breaking news, but it's free, very important breaking news. As the first to be this, if the Kings continue to struggle, then prepare not to see Buddy Hield gone, not to see Marvin Bagley gone on the hot seat, on the on the person that needs to go. No, prepare to see Luke Walton, their head coach, who's in a very interesting situation, could be on the hot seat like last season, as the team started five and four, but has been on a four-game losing streak. This has been exceptionally tough for this for this Kings team. When that article came out about the four-game winning streak, um, that was before they beat the Pistons. Now they snapped that four-game winning losing streak. But the reason why I brought up it was because they're put in such a great position, five and four. But then you lose your next four, and now you're like, oh, that's not good. So, this could be very interesting. The Kings are looking like they want to not only get rid of Buddy Heald, potentially, and most certainly Marvin Bagley, who was a former second overall pick back in the 2018 NBA draft, where it went DeAndre and Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic, right? But it's also like they want to remove their head coach. But I don't know why. Luke Luke Walton is not a bad head coach. He's not. They're not. He's not a bad head coach. Luke Walton's job should not be in jeopardy because the Kings like to move off of players, or they just want to keep going in and out of different parts and making Luke Walton's life miserable. Because it's. It's, it's not his fault that they're doing so poorly this season. Sure, would you like to see different things happen? Sure, but it's not his fault. But why am I saying that? Why would I be saying that? The reason why I'm saying that is because Luke Walton got that team to 31 and 41. But now wants to remove them, even though it was a losing record, they were still doing very well. And as with all the drama last season, with Buddy Hugh, with Marvin Bagley, underperformance, kind of overperformance. De'Aaron Fox have been poorly, poorly, um, like, shooting, and just been having poorly timed experiences this season. It's been rough. Harrison Barnes been on and off. Like, there's only so many things that one head coach can do. Marvin Bagley's been benched. You saw him get some minutes in the Pistons game. I get it, but I don't believe we need to blame Luke Walton, who's doing an exceptional job keeping the Kings afloat. Because it's not the easiest situation to say, you know what, we're just going to fire this head coach, bring in a new one. Who are you going to bring in? Because the problem is, last season, you have the same coaching staff from last season. You're having the same players from last season besides this year's draft. Right? You're not making incremental improvements. You're not making these breakthrough 
breakthrough, um, um, like signs, trades, whatever it is. You're not making that. However, you're just giving them the same roster of maybe some new pieces that need time. So I don't know where that hit. That's his fault. I would not try to put him on the hot seat. If you do, I wouldn't see the Kings getting off of him. I would think that would be very bad. I don't think that would be right, but it just depends what that organization wants to see out of their head coach, who before his contract is over, going to be making $11, $11.5 million. Because Luke Walton is not bad. I'm trying to pull up his... Stat. I'm trying to pull up his coaching stats. It should be coming up soon. He's been coaching him since 2019-2020. Since that season. Back-to-back -back seasons have been 31-41. and 41. Now they're 6-8. and eight. Uh, I, I, I don't, the thing to me is this, sure he had the greatest run with the Lakers, but you gotta remember that was 2016, the 2018 Lakers who were just bums, let's make no mistakes about that, so then when you put into this position of, well, we're not going to do anything to really help you, like, what does that really say for him? Because they've just been up and down. But you got to remember, when he when he was in his rookie, when he was in his debut season with the Kings, they had Marvin Bagley, they had Trevor Reza, Harrison Barks, Ken Bazemore, Bogdanovich, Dwayne Dedman, Darren Fox, and Buddy Hewitt. Those were their top guys. You fast forward to his second year. Where he also got into a 31 and 41 record, both in 12th place. There's not that many differences. Marvin Bagley, who's a bust, Harrison Barnes, Terrence Davis, Darren Fox, Buddy Heald, and Tyrese Halliburton, and Rich on Holmes. Rich on Holmes, I've got to mention, was on both sides. They don't have the greatest bench in the world. Saw Red, uh, saw how Whiteside's been up and down. Dylan Wright's okay. Jabbar Parker's a bust. Corey Joseph is a bust. Damian Jones is eh. Justin James, oh, not really good. Right, so you get where I'm coming from. But the guys you had from his beginning season to his second season has not changed. They still had Barnes, Bagley, Fox, and then Peeled. They added Tyrus Halliburton. So now you're giving them pieces. You're keeping the core together, but you're adding new pieces, which takes time to settle in. It just does. So I don't think it's fair to put the blame solely on Luke Walton, because if management's not going to do anything to help him, and now they're like, well, we're going to trade Buddy Heald, because that was in progress. That was a done deal before the Wizards came in. And then you saw um, them trying to get rid and actively trying to get rid of Marvin Bagley. So they're trying to get rid of pieces. The only secure piece right now is Harrison Barnes. They're a power forward slash center, right? 
So to me, this could not soil on head coach. And I hope that makes sense because now what we're pretty much saying is that, well, it's okay. Those players can keep acting dumb and messing everything up. But it's always going to be Luke Walton. Let me tell you this. Luke Walton took the beginning, second year, and I'm not going to count this year yet because it's incomplete. It's just beginning. To 31 and 41 both seasons in a row. Sure, it's a losing season. Sure, they're both in 12th place in both those years. But we're missing something important. When you're not given a good bench, when your hand's not dealt with good pieces, when your hand's dealt poorly, what do you want out of them? Buddy Heald's good, but he needs to be with very good players. You can't build a team around him. You can't. He even wants out. He was acting like a diva last season. Wasn't returning any of the owners, Luke Walton's calls, management calls, anything from the Kings until he reported back on his own terms. For what? Because he got his feelings upset. Marvin Bagley's a boss, and now they're realizing and now just taking a cheap way out of it by sitting him, which is smart, trying to preserve his value and trying to get him out of there. He's just a bad player where you could have had Luke Doncic Trey Young. That is just bad. Then Harrison Barnes been up and down where he can't do it all by himself. Sure, he had the game win against the Phoenix Suns, but let's be honest. He got lucky right there because the Suns were not playing well, A. But B, the team was fundamentally lacking. You cannot tell me that this Kings team has to... Rely solely upon their head coach. I get it. He's the blueprint. I get it. He's the way. But you have to remember this. There comes a certain time when you're like, why are my players producing the way they're supposed to? Right now, uh, he's averaging career highs in uh, Harrison Barnes's for 21 points per game, 50% from the field, 8 rebounds, and 2 assists. That's very good. But it can't be the Harrison Barnes show. There has to be another player. Buddy Heald's a good compatible player with Barnes. But there has to be one to two more pieces. One more is not good. Two more is ideal. But three more would be elite. Or at least good. Good enough to win more games. You're, not, you're doing a disservice to your head coach. And all the talking heads out there are like, put him on the hot seat, put him on the hot seat. Why? He's keeping this team relevant. He's keeping this team above water, above float. And now with the playing tournament that extends from 8 to 10, you can now have a chance. So where you never had a chance in the 2019 to 2020 season, you do now. Like last season, even though we were trying to get back to normalcy and we are trying to figure everything out. So please, understand this. It's not always Luke Walton's fault. I believe the mass majority of us understands that and gets the fundamentals of where we're at in the concepts of which needs to be understood to say the players need to produce consistently, effectively, and assure wins. It can't always be fate. It can't always be chance. Sure, you have the luck of the Irish sometimes, but you just need to pound it in. You just do. You can get lucky on a game winner so many times. 
Third, this is no one's individual fault. This is a collective team's fault, who are now 6-8, and eight, and but they're still in the ninth seed. They just need better players. You can't tell me that you're going to keep your entire roster. They've kept their entire roster, but I've added Davian Mitchell. What do you want them to do? What do you want Luke Dolan to do? What do you want the training groups to do? What do you want this team to do? The coaching staff? What do you want them to do? Train Davian Mitchell within a few games where he's going to be this elite play to Marvin Bagley the third never was? Hate to break it to you. Bagley's a bum and you messed over your, um, your second overall pick. That's just basic. You were idiots. And you can't blame your head coach. You can only work with so much. There must be another player besides Darren Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, and Buddy Heald. There just must be. There must be. Tyrese Halliburton's still trying to figure it out. It's amazing that he's averaging 13, 5, and 4. It truly is. It truly is. Because... You got bums like Tristan Thompson. You got bums like Terrence Davis. I'm not even kidding you. Terrence Davis in 12 and a half minutes per game averages 4 points off of 28.5% from the field. And 1.5 rebounds. Tristan Thompson is just dating Kardashians. That's all he's doing. Alex Lund is a bum. Luce King is a bum. Richard Holmes. He's playing decently well. He is. I'll give him that. 27 minutes per game. 14 points. 11 rebounds. 16, 69% from the field. Okay. I'll give him that. Because he's piggybacking off of last season. Doing better than last season with the Kings. He's found home with the Kings. But there has to be something more than mediocre players or good players or slightly above good players. You need to have that star. Marvin Bagley's not it. Who knows what Davian Mitchell's going to be. It just all depends on what happens. Could the, shooting, could the rookie shooting guard who went 19th overall, I'm sorry, 9th overall in this past year's NBA draft, be something, maybe, maybe, we just have to give them time. So, point of my story, point of this conversation, is that it's not always the fault of the head coach, especially in a Luke Walton situation. Luke Walton should not be putting the blame or should not be on the hot seat because he's keeping a team afloat and within the top 10 of your respective conference. Plus, you're playing in one of the toughest divisions in, in the Western Conference and maybe one of the top three toughest divisions in the entire NBA because the Pacific Division holds the Lakers, the Suns, the uh, Warriors. Who am I? Okay, so you're, oh, I lost my turn. Sorry. You hold the Lakers, you hold the Warriors, you hold the Suns, you hold the Kings, and you hold one other team that's slipping my mind. 
it's gonna drive me crazy because I, I know I'm not an idiot. I know I know the conference. I was just saying the conference, but it doesn't matter. You guys get where I'm going. You guys get where I'm coming from. It's insane. It's insane. Oh, I'm sorry, in the Clippers. Um. So with all that being said, that's the breaking news around the Kings. Don't always blame on Luke Walton. Just don't. He shouldn't be on the heat seat. He's respected head coach that had a bad tenure with the bum Lakers, but now it's getting renewed with the Kings, but now they want to reject them from a process. That's insanity to me. But you know what? There's teams like the Warriors and there's teams like the Nets that are just killing it. I am not even kidding you guys. This is actually something really fun to watch as the Warriors are 11-2 currently. First place in the Western Division. And in the Eastern Division, you see the Nets 10-4. Second place, a half a game behind the Washington Wizards who could play that incredible comeback, that's pretty solid. That is pretty solid. Why am I making it like this? Why am I mentioning this? Well, because the Week 4 NBA Players of the Week Awards came out, and guess what? who the two players highlighting it from each division? Golden State Warriors, Stephen Curry, and the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant. And rightly so. Week 4 was jam-packed. Both teams were booming. Both teams were a thrilling masterpiece to watch. They were, Kevin Durant worked tirelessly. Same with Stephen Curry. To get their teams to win. To be a leader. Because Curry averaged 34.8 points per game. 7.8 assists and 5.5 rebounds per game as the Golden State Warriors went 3 1. And likewise for Durant, whose team went 3 1 2, but also had 32 points per game, 8 rebounds as the Nets are sitting pretty in the top three and are one of the first teams to have 10 wins in their Eastern Conference. While the Warriors are the first team to 11 wins in both respected conferences. Real quick, going back to being a leader. Going back to being a leader. Stephen Curry's old college coach, who, if you don't remember, Stephen Curry um, went, uh, went to Davidson. I'm trying to look up his college coach. I may not be able to find it. Here, I'm trying to look it up. Um, was it Bob McKillen? Was it Bob McKillop? Was it Bob McKillop? I'm looking up. Yeah, it was Bob McKillop. Bob McKillop said this. He gave signs. He gave gestures that Stephen Curry's old college coach, Bob McKillop, says he should run for president because of how well he is of leading. That says a lot. That says a lot when you're praising your former uh, Davidson star 
The small guy out of Davidson that people were not too sure on that could have been counting him out. That's a lot of praise. Could he could he be a great leader? He sure directs that on his Golden State Warriors. Could he become president? Well, if we're going by President Biden, sure he could be a president. Any okay, anyone could be a president. Even a truck driver could be a president right now if we're comparing him to Joe Biden. But I'm but how cool would that be? To see President Curry, not of the MBPA, not of any single fitness team, but President of the United States of America, Stephen Wardell, Stephen Curry. Man, that actually sounds pretty cool. Just imagine that. We saw about all these different celebrities throughout time say, oh, I should be president. I would do, well, I say I can manage peace. I could be a leader. But now we have a former, his former college basketball coach to say, you know what? He could be a leader. And that's why with his exceptional leading skills and the way he commands things and keep peace on the court. And of course, I'm adding to what the former coach said. Of Stephen Curry. He could be president of the United States. He could be the president. Wow. That is some high praise right there. That tells you. Who is on the good side. Of that former coach. Of Davidson. That is insane. Just imagine if Curry's like. You know what. In 2024. I'll run. Because 2024. Is three years away. Who knows if Curry's going to be starting to hang it up. Because how old is Curry? You would have to sing that he's like 33, like 32, 33, maybe at the earliest 31. But Stephen Curry's getting up there in age. Even though he's getting up there in age, he is a wonderful master. He is a wonder of works as he is 33 years old. Okay, so by the time 2024 comes around, He's got so much money, it's crazy. And he could be in position to run for president. You know everyone is going to be able to vote that I loved him growing up with him during their childhood could vote for him. Because how much does... It just depends who runs in 2024. Heck, Kanye West tried running for president. And people actually voted for him. So imagine actually having a real leader when speaking out of Kanye or Stephen Curry, of course. I'm trying to look up Stephen Curry. How, I'm just trying to look up how many social media followers he has. He has 37.5 million followers just on the Instagram alone. But when you check Twitter, I'm trying to pull it out. I don't know why my app's taking forever. That's alright. But that's insane. 35.5 million? Oh, oh, oh. his 15.6 million on Twitter. And we're not going to talk about all the people that just follow him around the NBA that may not be following him on Twitter or Instagram or any other social media platform he has. Because anyone that's a, anyone that's a warrior, NBA fan, they could be looking at him. Heck, even Davidson, they could be looking at him. He could legit try to squeeze out 60 million votes. If every single one of his followers, or anyone in the NBA, 
decided to vote for him if he ran for presidential. If he ran for the presidential um, position. That would be really, really cool. If he ran for president during the 2024 presidential election, how cool would that be? You know, I if legit, if he actually ran, I may actually vote for him. Now, what would, our, what would the state of our country be in after his four years? Who knows? But you know, if he has close ties to former President Barack Obama, who served our uh, who served our country as president for eight years, could give Curry pointers. Wait a minute, we may legit have a real guy because I I'm tallying up all of his social media followers, all the different ones. He could easily get sixty to seventy million votes. Could we try to stage an election here for him? So how cool would that be? Because you have, well, yeah, George Washington, John Adams, uh, James Madison, then you, then you keep on going through, uh, Andrew Jackson, time period groups keep going on, Andrew, like all these different guys, like Abraham Lincoln, Bill Clinton, um, Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, um, George, Joe Ford. Lyndon B. Johnson, uh, Rutherford, uh, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, any one of the Bushes. I'm just saying. Then you have the new 47th president of the United States, Stephen Curry. I don't know. From a basketball perspective, that would be pretty cool. Imagine saying that. You walk into the NBA Hall of Fame. You're still playing. Like, you did not fish retire. You're just taking a leave of absence. But let's just say you retire. Let's, no, let's just say you retire. But then, they're going to wait out your four years. So you can join the NBA Hall of Fame. No, do it. No. Because this is how you do it. If he gets elected president. Let's just say he gets elected president. Imagine what his accomplishments. He's like multi-time champion. Um, a multi-time all-star. MVPs. Oh, awards coming out of everywhere. Oh, my. And then, last week, we have President of the United States. Or or the PA guy is going to be like, welcoming in. The current President of the United States, Stephen Curry. Or, if he's former, unless he, re unless he wants to try to get a re-election, wants to run again. It could be former President of the United States, Stephen Curry. The, how cool would that be? I don't know. I'm just having fun fit. I'm not saying I actually want an NBA player to run my country, but who knows? I'm just saying that's some high praise by the uh, by the former du uh, Davidson coach. No doubt about that. I believe his name was Bob McKellop. If I did my research correctly, and hopefully I did, but how cool would that be? Now that would be really, really, really cool. But yeah, that was all of our top news of the week. I thought that'd be really fun. You know what? We should actually—I should actually create a T-shirt that actually says Stephen Curry for president, or if he actually wanted to become president of the United States. I would just create the t-shirt for fun. How funny would that be?
I'm not even kidding you. I would legit do that without hesitation. Without without hesitation, because I think that'd be really really fun, really really cool to do. So I might do that. It's almost as fun as saying the Rockets are actually gonna win their second game. It's like dreaming of that. You can only wait for it to happen. But now we're moving into the topic of the day, and that is: Are the Suns the team to beat, or will they begin to fall with a tougher schedule ahead? We're going to keep this limited to Western Conference. Sure, we can go to Eastern Conference, but they have their own respectable challenges with the Wizards dominating at 10 and 3, the Nets at 10 and 4, the Bucks are hurting at 6 and 8, the Hawks are hurting at 6 and 9, the Pistons are 3 and 10, the Magic are 3 and 11. That's to be expected, right? Uh, 76ers, Knicks, Cavaliers, Heat. Bulls, they're all trying to figure it out. Hornets too, but we're going to keep it with the Western Conference. Because right now, the Suns have a winning streak of nine games. That's nine games in a row. Positive. Winning. Not like the Rockets where they've lost 12 straight. Or not like the Magic where they're losing three straight. That is just insane to me. But that... So, are they the team to beat? The Warriors right now are 11-2. They hold a game over the Suns. So, how committed are the Suns? Are they the team to beat, yes or no? Well, when taking a look at their schedule, first off, we see that they're going to have back-to-back games November 17th and November 19th of um, facing down Mavericks at home. You got to face the Nuggets. Those three games are going to be brutal. And then you have to go on the road for the Spurs, Cavaliers, Knicks, then Nets. That's tough. That concludes your, your, your road series. But then you get a quick break at home for the Warriors. Then the easy one, the Pistons, theoretically. Then back on the road for one game to the Warriors. So four days later... You gotta face them again. And that's coming off your back to back series. That'll conclude your back to back series. And then you're going back home to say, oh, for two games, Spurs Celtics. Both teams, Spurs Celtics, have been bad, but you just never know because the Pistons, I'm sorry, the Pelicans almost got the better of them. Same with the Timberwolves yesterday. It's interesting. So if I'm looking all the way up to Christmas Day, you have the Warriors, you gotta play three times. You have the Mavericks, you gotta play two times, which is gonna be no small task. You have to face a divisional foe, which will be the Clippers. You're gonna give me a gimme one, a gimme win, like the Pistons. The Brooklyn Nets gonna be a challenge, which you face them once. The Spurs, you face once. The Hornets, you face once. The Wizards going to be a really tough one on December 16th, but the good advantages you're going to have, that's going to be at home. You got to go up against the Lakers again, but the Lakers been poorly ran, poorly executed. Their efficiency, their guys are always getting fatigued and always getting burned down, frustrated, which is not a good sign, which we will be covering in our podcast episode um, after they take the floor again. 
but then they're gonna have to, but they're gonna play Los Los Angeles, which is gonna be tough. Los Angeles, California. That's gonna be tough. The horn's gonna be tough. So the gimme ones, here are the ones I think are gonna be the gimme ones. The Pistons. The Pistons are gonna be one. The Spurs are gonna be number two. The Thunder are gonna be number three. And the Grizzlies are gonna be number four if we extend it out to December twenty-seventh. Do I think the Thunder could be legitimate ones? They could. They could. Because the Thunder are 5-7 currently. They're trying to get into the playing tournament. If everything ended, they wouldn't get in. But they're still trying to. They're 5-5. Five five. They're past 10 games. That's about, that's about the last 10 games than the, um, than the Trailblazers, the Kings, the Timberwolves, the Spurs, the Pelicans, and even the Rockets. And that's just in the Western Conference. Let me just point out, the Rockets are 0-10 in their last 10 games. They're on a 12-game losing streak. You are pathetic. But back to the Suns. This is going to get interesting. I think the Suns are the team to beat if, if they get past this homestand. I don't think they're going to always keep this winning streak. I think they're going to get the double digits. I think they're going to get to like 11 to 12 wins, and then they're going to fizzle out that winning streak and come back to earth. I think they're going to lose their winning streak either... Oh, that's tough. I think they're gonna lose their winning streak against the Nuggets or the uh, or the Nets. I think they can take care of the Cavaliers even away without Colin Sexton's. Even though the Cavaliers are holding up on their own and the veterans are coming, everyone's coming together, they're rallying together. The youngins and the old old people or the veterans. Um, it's gonna be interesting. I don't. I these are gonna be tough matchups. The Mavericks are going to be tough, tough matchups, but the one thing we have advantage of is home court advantage. The fans are going to be on our corner. That's going to be what the Phoenix Suns are hoping hoping for, without doubt. But it's going to be tough with Porzingis, with Luca, with Hardaway, with all these different guys. It's going to be really, really crazy. The Nuggets are also going to be tough. Jokic is going to be tough. Reigning MVP. Great Popovich team. I think we could take care of on Monday. Next Wednesday, I think we could take care of November 24th, the day before Thanksgiving. I think we could take care of the Cavs. Black Friday, I think we could squeeze one out against the Knicks. I don't know. I think one of the possibilities, we could lose the game to the Mavericks. Or since we caught fire, we can revert back to our NBA bubble days and just beat the Mavericks twice. We win an ain't no run the bubble. I saying the Nuggets we're gonna beat. I truly do believe that. So why am I why am I explaining it per the record? I'm not going to give this team the due of well, are they the team to beat? Then you can say that about the Wizards, you can say it about the Warriors. But what's unique about the Suns will make them really credible. And really, the team to beat in the Western Conference alone would be getting past this tough schedule. 
Now, since we're playing this entire schedule, if they get past this tough schedule with a semi-winning streak and they don't collapse, they're the team to be in the entire NBA. That is just point blank. They may have problems with the Warriors. If they beat the Warriors two or three of the times that they play, twice at home, twice at home, one away, and once in a home game on a four-day stretch, they're the team to beat in the East. That is just a fact. Or I'm sorry, the West. If they beat the Brooklyn Nets, they're the team to beat. Similar with the Knicks, they're the team to beat. Divisionally, if they beat the Warriors and they beat the Clippers and the Lakers like they've already done, they're the team to beat. And divisionally, it just is. Because Chris Paul's revving back up. Devin Booker's revving back up. DeAndre Ayn's getting back into the flow. Everyone's revving up and they're ready to get started. That's just point blank. Um, That's just point blank. It is. It just is. So they're not going to be the team to beat until they can prove to their fan base, the entire NBA, and to opponents everywhere that from November 17th, their next game at home against the Mavericks, all the way to December 25th, which is going to be their last, is going to be kicking off their their second game at home against the Warriors. And then I will deem them the team to beat because. This is gonna that's gonna be grown. That's gonna be a month. If they can get past this month, they can do it. They are gonna have good they're gonna have games that they can take a break on, but not that much. Like the Pistons and Spurs. They get to face the Spurs twice. They should be able to beat them. Same with the Grizzlies, since you blew them out 119 and 94. Now will they come more repaired? Maybe you beat the Lakers once. The Lakers have been on and off, so whatever happens, happens, right? It gets interesting with the Warriors. It gets interesting with the Nets. It gets interesting with the Knicks. Just does. The Wizards are going to be one. If they hold up, they're going to be interesting. The Blazers are going to be interesting because the Blazers beat them 144-105 on October 23rd. But on November 10th, the Suns won. They're not the team to beat until they can show that they can be on fire still after a month and after a month of a tough schedule. The reason why I'm giving a month because afterwards they're going to have some easy ones again like the Grizzlies, like the Thunder, like the Pelicans. You're of course going to mix in the Celtics, Hornets, and Heat. Raptors should be a good one. Pistons, again, they got to beat. As a team to beat, you don't lose to the Pistons. You should be able to beat the Spurs. You should be able to beat the Pacers. So you got gimmies. You gotta be able to beat the Timberwolves. So I'm um, looking at this entire schedule. It's like you should be able to beat this entire team without fail, without question, and I 100% believe that. From November 17th to December 25th. So, a week before Thanksgiving, and right at Christmas Day, they should be able to do it. The tough ones, are you ready, is going to be not the daybreak ones, but the back-to-back -back ones. Because, well, in theory, you got the Nuggets. Then you got to go against the Spurs. And the Nuggets one finishes, 
uh, your home stand. So then you got to travel less than a day to the Spurs, try to get some training, try to rest before your 640 matchup. So you have about 24 hours, give or take, just to rest. Just to get ready. That's insane. That's insane. And then you go over and you take your rest for two days. Then you play the Cavaliers away, take two days off, then go play the Knicks. And then, and that's all the way, that's in New York, that's in the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. Um, and you have to go play the Nuggets 24 hours later. It's crazy. And then you gotta do it with the Warriors. And then you're gonna meet the Warriors again in four days. And then you gotta go meet the Celtics, who could be a completely different team. And then you gotta go meet the Clippers. Then you gotta go meet the Wizards. Then you gotta go meet the Lakers, the Warriors again. That's just insane. Like, that is insane, guys. So, for this question, they cannot be the team to beat until they prove that in a month they can still be one of the top three, if not the reigning Western Conference uh, teams. And even the entire NBA. I wouldn't be surprised if they were to knock off the Wizards, the Warriors three times in a row, or at least 66%. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if, we, if they beat the Mavericks twice. It's going to be tough. These games are going to be tough. Even the games you think will be a walk in the park, a piece of cake, I don't think so. I just don't think so. That's my opinion for sure. But that's why I think we can beat. Because right now we're 10-3. and free. But we've had been given easy games after starting one and three. True. After the Kings game, we were able to beat the Cavaliers, which was no small task. But after that, we had the Pelicans, which we had to fight back for. But going by record, Pelicans, Rockets were easy. Hawks were easy. In some respects. Kings, we, but we beat. Trailblazers, we beat the Rockets again. And the Grizzlies. And now the Timberwolves. So while it's been a calm, maybe not, maybe good's not the right word to use, but calm. They have been having a calm first 13 games. Or 9 games. After losing their first, after going 1-3. and three. This one's going to be a little crazy. This one could be up and down. This is going to test the severity of how well the Suns perform under stress, under frustration, under lack of rest. This is going to test whether you can go up against a good team and still perform high, and when you're going up against a bad team and smash their brains out. But like I said, they're not the team to beat until they can show everyone that they are after December 25th. That'll be a month. In about eight days. Okay, right? That's what we're getting at. A month and two weeks. Oh, a month and a week and a day. One on one. So, guys, that was the topic of the day. But now we're going to get something really fun, even though we can't get any more fun than what we're already getting. Because when you look, when you talk about the Suns, you always have fun. Even if you hate the team, you always like them. But Game of the day to watch out for, Warriors Nets.
We were just talking about this. We are talking about the Nets they had to face soon and the Warriors they had to face soon. I said, actually, they're going to be facing three times this upcoming month. But Warriors against Nets are going to be a really, really fun game. The Warriors are 11 and 2. The Nets are 10 and 4. The Warriors definitely got the two game advantage on them, or one and a half, however, we're calculating it. They got that advantage on them. There's no Kyrie, remember. But the Warriors are looking stronger. But like we've mentioned, Curry did what Curry had to do for his team. And Kevin Durant did what he had to do for his team. Both went 3-1 in week 4. It's going to be very exciting. I'm actually going to take the Golden State Warriors. I bet against them against the Bulls. I guess it's going to be different players, different matchups, different scenarios, different ways we're going to look at this game. And the very outcomes that could happen. But I'm going to take the Warriors. Who's having a percentage, percentage of, of 846. They've been gold. I'm not going to count against them. I want to go check them out. They're playing away. I'm sorry if you hear my. I hear, I'm sorry if you hear the mouse. I am sorry if you hear the mouse. But they're away. They're free one away. The last ten games are eight two. Home are eight one. The Nets are four and two at home. Eight two the last ten, and they're on a free game winning streak. How? However, the Warriors have one game winning streak, but I've seen it's all be bounced around tonight. Catch the game. That's going to be a very, very exciting game. It's going to be happening in the evening time. I'm hoping to catch it. If not, watch the highlights. Thank you guys for staying around. Thank you guys for listening to today's podcast episode. I had fun. We're counting down the holidays. Remember, next Monday, the extended trailer out on a documentary will be happening. But also, Christmas music will begin. Or Thanksgiving music, if you want to blend it too. We'll be beginning. See you guys for listening to today's podcast episode. And I'll see you on the next episode, which will be Wednesday morning, 8 a.m. Don't miss it. I'll see you guys in the near future. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Catch all the basketball games you want to watch. As I'll see you right here, right now. Tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Let's have the outro music take us out now.